0: Chapter twenty four of To London Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit org To London Town by Arthur Morrison. His home in Harbour Lane grew less sufferable than ever to Mr. Butson's tastes. His contempt remained for the sordid surroundings, the vulgar trade, the simple wife, for everything about the place, in fact with the reasonable exceptions of the money he extracted from it and the food he ate there and now there was the new affliction of an unsubmissive stepson a stepson moreover who watched and who kept alert ears for any expedient assertion of authority whereat he might raise mutiny a most objectionable stepson in every way far too big and growing bigger every day who would not forget bygones and who had a nasty suggestive way of handling the poker, a large poker, an unnecessarily heavy poker for a sitting room, and he seemed to suspect things, too, and talked unpleasantly of the police, a thing that turned one hot and cold together. So Mr. Butson went more up west and sought longer solace in the society of the bars. As for Johnny, finding Butson ceasing, so far as he could see, from active offence he gave thought to other things though watching still his drawing was among the other matters that claimed his care but chief of them all was a different thing altogether for at the institute he found the girl he first saw on the dark morning when he set out to be an engineer he had seen her since once as he was on his way to a ship launch and twice a little later then not at all for eighteen months at least till he began to forget But now that he saw her again and found her a woman, or grown as much a woman as he was grown a man, he wondered that he could ever have forgotten for a moment, more, when he had seen her twice or thrice, and knew the turn of her head and the nearing of her step, he was desperately persuaded that nothing in the world, nor time nor tide, could make him forget again, so that he resolved to learn to dance but the little society that danced at the institute saw nothing of her this radiant unforgettable she came twice a week to the dressmaking class wherein she acted as monitor or assistant to the teacher being as johnny later discovered by vast exertions a dressmaker herself in her daily work she made no friendships walked sedately apart and was in some sort of mystery being for these reasons regarded as stuck up by the girls of the class and so made a target for many small needle thrusts of spite johnny had a secret notion that she remembered him because she would pass him with so extreme an unconsciousness in her manner so very blank and unacquaintanced in her eyes neat and gray in her dress she had ever a placid gravity of air almost awed by contrast with the unceasing smirk and giggle of the rest of the girls of the institute and her name another happy discovery attained at great expense of artless diplomacy was nora sansom and now for a while the practice of orthographic projection suffered from neglect and abstraction of mind long hicks all ignorant of the cause was mightily concerned and expostulated, with a face of perplexed surprise, much poking of fingers through the hair, and jerking at the locks thus separated, but it was a great matter that tugged so secretly at Johnny's mind, and daily harder at his heart strings, till he blushed in solitude to find himself so weak a creature. Nora Sansom did not come to the dancing. She knew nobody that he knew. She was unapproachable as as a chinese empress how to approach nora sansom and at the thought he gulped and tingled and was more than a little terrified he was not brought to a stand by contemplation of any distinct interposing labyrinth of conventional observance such as he who can see can pick his way through in strict form but by a difficulty palpable to instinct rather than figured in mind an intangible barrier that vexed johnny to madness so that he hammered the institute punching ball with blind fury and again because the world was now grown so many heavens wider he would sit and dream of things beyond its farthest margin yet and between plan and section crankshaft and piston he would wake to find himself designing monograms of the letters n s and j m altogether becoming a sad young fool such as none of us ever was in the like circumstances but an angel two angels to be exact both of them rather stout came one night to johnny's aid they came all unwitting in a cab being man and wife and their simple design was to see for themselves the upraising of the hopeless residuum they had been told though they scarce believed that at the Institute, far east, much farther east than Whitechapel, and therefore, without doubt, deeper sunk in dirt and iniquity, the young men and women danced together under regular ballroom conventions, neither bawling choruses nor pounding one another with quart pots. It was even said that partners were introduced in proper form before dancing a thing so ludicrous in its incongruity as to give no choice but laughter so the two doubters from the west end it was only bayswater really took a cab to see these things for themselves but having taken no pains to inform themselves of the order of things at the institute they arrived on an evening when there was no dancing this was very annoying and they said so with acerbity they were indeed so very indignant at the disconformity of the arrangements to their caprice and so extremely and so obviously important and the lady waggled her gilt handled lorgnon with such offended majesty that it was discussed among those in direction whether or not something might be done to appease them and in the end after a few hasty inquiries the classes were broken up for the evening, and an off-hand dance was declared to the music extracted from the institute piano and the fiddle of a blushing young amateur. The girls came in gay and chattering from the dressmaking class, and the lads rushed to exchange gymnasium flannels for the clothes they had come in, all unconscious that they were to be made a show of they who kept their dancing shoes on the premises triumphed in their foresight and johnny was among them as for him he had seen Nora sansom coming in with the others alone and a little shy and he resolved to seize occasion with both hands and he did so very gallantly with less trepidation than at a calmer moment he would have judged possible first a quadrille was called and johnny's courage rose for as yet he had no great confidence in his dancing in general but he did know the figures of a quadrille having learned them by rote as most boys learn euclid he laid hands on the mild young shopman who had unexpectedly found himself appointed master of ceremonies and in two minutes he was standing in a set with nora sansom at his side the sheer pride of it disorganized his memory so that it was lucky they were a side couple or they would have been a rout in the first figure johnny's partner knew very little or nothing of dancing but she was quick to learn and johnny a rank beginner himself had a proud advantage in his knowledge of the figures unstable as it was so that the thing went very joyfully and the girl's eyes grew brighter and her face gayer each moment to the end for her life had been starved of merriment and here was merriment in plenty of the sort a girl loves four or five dances were all there were for the place shut at ten to dance them all with nora sansom were impossible and scandalous for everybody was very particular at the institute but johnny went as far as two and a sit-out and extracted a half-promise that she would come and dance some other time more He walked two streets of the way home with her, and the way was paved with clouds of glory. Why he might go no farther, he could not guess. But there he was, dismissed, quite unmistakably, though pleasantly enough. Fair, very fair, were the poor little streets in the moonlight as Johnny walked home, and very sweet the air. It was a good world, a kind world, a world as one may see it who has emptied a bottle of good champagne. Johnny would have shaken hands with anybody on the way, probably even with Butson if he had met him, but nobody made the offer, and even the baked chestnut man, he was still there by the high wall, growled merely when Johnny gave him good night. And so Johnny went to dreams of gentle gray eyes in a dimpled face with brown hair about it, for few of the song book beauties were Nora Sansom's Her hair was neither golden nor black, but simple brown, like the hair of most other people, and her eyes were mere gray, yet Johnny dreamed. As for the two angels from Bayswater who caused all these things to come to pass, they looked at the dancing from the gallery and said that it was really very credible, considering, quite surprising, indeed, for people of that class, and they hoped it didn't lead to immorality, and they went home virtuously conscious of having done their duty toward the submerged. But the lady left her gilt-handled Marjnon in the cab, whereof the gentleman hadn't thought to take the number, and the lady said a great many times before they went to bed and after that it was just like a man. End of chapter 24